Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 233 of the ETPC team podcast with myself and Georgia. Hi Georgia, how are you? Hello, I am good, thank you. How are you? I am fine, thank you. How are you, Anna? I am really great, thanks. Really, really great. Gosh, really great. What a mood. Is that great? So, I know this sounds really cheesy, but it was such a nice week off last week and I just feel incredibly lucky to come back and just love coming back to my clients and feel incredibly grateful to do what I do. So, yeah, that's me. (laughs) That's so nice. I actually yesterday said this day on the EIQ Live of like, we got onto the live and I said, I'm so grateful to have a job that lifts me up, like that I feel like is my purpose. I actually, oh, I heard this thing from Will Smith this morning. So <laughs> if you read my emails, you'll know that I've been quoting Will Smith a little bit because I got sucked into his autobiography. I wonder if I can find this um, online so I can tell you guys it. Um, but yeah, I didn't think I would really like it, especially after his recent shenanigans. I thought mm, I might not be into Will Smith that much. And actually, I just wanted something to numb out to because you know our favorite things um and it's actually really quite good if anyone wants anything to numb out to right so what he said was i'm just reading quote for quote by the way purpose and desire can seem similar but they are very different sometimes even opposing for forces desire is personal narrow and pointed and tends towards self-preservation self-gratification and short-term gains and pleasures Purpose is wider, broader, a longer term vision encompassing the benefit of others, something outside of yourself you're willing to fight for. There'd be many times in my life when I was acting from a place of desire, but I'd fully convinced myself that it was purpose. Desire is what you want. Purpose is the flowering of what you are. Desire tends to weaken over time, whereas purpose strengthens the more you lean into it. Desire can be depleting because it's insatiable. Purpose is empowering. It's a stronger engine. And I really like that because I think... So I think, I wonder how many people are like, oh, it's my purpose, but it's like, is this your purpose or is it just because something that you want? And there's nothing wrong with acting in, in line with what you want. But I do think like, I do feel like, I, I personally, I feel like my job's my pur- my purpose. And it's quite, I, I like the wording of that mm. distinct from desire. It also takes the pressure off this idea that you, you have to be desiring of every part of your job all the time for it to be the right thing for you to do. And like, love all parts of everything that you do because it's your purpose it's like you know they're distinct and like well like he said you know and he's always right I'm sure and they can sometimes be opposing which I liked hmm. who'd have thought it from Will Smith <laughs> oh, I know it's an interesting book like I mean it's just literally about his life and I'm not that bothered about his life but it turns out I quite like it so I think when um Okay, should we get started on the questions? Anna, do you want to go first? Yes. Uh, when in your menstrual cycle do most people tend to feel bloated or can it be any time and varies person to person? Um, it's usually in luteal phase because of the, sh- like, the shift in hormones often causes 
like water retention and also who was I talking to about this recently period poops who was that mm. <laughs> anyway <laughs> like you may well experience period poops or period constipation the, the certain there's certain release of certain hormones and like inflammatory cytokines etc at certain times of your month and I remember reading about prostaglandins and how they can impact like your digestive system and your bloating and things like that and they tend to heighten around the time of menstruation etc um so there's lots of kind of there's lots of reasons why you why you might bloat digestive and water retention and um, inflammation so usually it's around menstrual cycle or just before but also I don't know if any of you experience or clients do but you can also get both around ovulation too mm-hmm. and I think it's an interesting one I remember reading a study about um it wasn't I didn't read the study I think it was in a book about um sex workers specifically dancers and how they this piece of research looked at how much money dancers made throughout the course of their cycle and on average they consistently earn I want want to say it was something like 300 pounds more during ovulation um and they suspected or they hypothesized it was related to um, confidence because you do get like a slight shift in your body during ovulation where like your boobs maybe like get maybe get a slightly bigger and there's a slight shift in like you not anything noticeable to anyone but you get like a shift in um you kind of appear more hourglassy not to any sort of extent but then your body image also often improves around ovulation as well you normally that's when you feel your sexiest but interestingly you can also get bloating around there especially if you like if it's ovulation is a funny one because you can some people you'll never know that you ovulate and then other people like a random one-off month you might get ovulation spotting or ovulation bloating etc so it can happen then as well um yeah no straight answer (laughs) yeah any time of the month acceptable but like it's the thing is it's your own body everyone is different and this is the thing with all period related stuff learn your own body and be able to that's helpful in terms of being able to rationalize stuff and be objective about stuff um it doesn't matter what other people say or other people experience but sometimes obviously we all like to quote unquote feel normal right so we just want to it helps when we don't trust ourselves fully as well we like to trust other people but never trust me more than yourself mm-hmm. well, I my client. oh sorry <laughs> that's that's I'm reading a book at the moment called Unwell Women that my sister got me for Christmas and oh my god it's so good it it it's basically about this woman and, and the author how long it took her to get diagnosed with lupus and like the years that she was in pain for um and it kind of prompted her to go back in and look through the research over time to see how women have been treated like in by medicine across time and basically it's it's kind of like n- nothing nothing new we know you know every now and again it's like oh we don't bother studying women with this because hormones just make it so like difficult to study so we just don't study them they're just not included and it's like it's it's infuriating but so interesting to read at the same time um but back to the point of what we were actually talking about there was something I was reading the other day about the um prostaglandins that you can take ibuprofen a few days before your period and it can help to reduce the effects of the inflammation that the prostaglandins have and help to reduce the incidence of like period poo so if that is something that really like bothers you just start if you know when your cycle is start taking it a couple of days beforehand and that can be really good, good. helpful is the word I mean that makes sense right that, that I hadn't actually 
yeah interesting thanks for that I am um, did any of you ever experience leg pain with your periods mm, like really heavy yeah like eggies yeah yeah I remember for like I don't get that anymore touch wood but like I know growing up I <laughs> just you wait <laughs> I used to say something all the time I'm like I've got heavy legs and heavy hips and mm. just ache no one ever talks about that I'm like mm. hmm. but yeah I mean it makes sense it's all just it's kind of uh, what's the word like radiates out doesn't it that's the thing in that book about the wandering womb like it goes back to greek history and it's just like physicians weren't allowed to look at women's parts because it was you know not okay so they had to guess and they're like oh all these different symptoms well her womb because basically she's not having enough sex and she's not being filled with fluid her uterus is dry and it's wandering around her body and it's suffocating her liver and she will die if you don't just take your wife home and have sex with her. And then it's like, oh, she's passing out and she's having fits and seizures. That's because you're not having enough sex with your wife. You need to take her home and have sex with her. And I was like, God, all we needed was a good dose of vitamin D and medicine <laughs> solved it all. <laughs> oh my Any symptom. Tell me it's a male doctor without telling me it's a male doctor. <laughs> Wowzers! Oh, that before, um, gosh, knowledge bombs today, Georgia. Okay, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you the book because I'm only like just past the first chapter. <laughs> at the moment, it's like every page is like I'm raging and smiling because it's hilarious at the same time. <laughs> and I feel so validated. Also, like <laughs> you should do it. You should do a post on social media of like the top five funny five things you've learned from that. I would love to see that. I will do. I will what do. Is it? What is it is it yeah. women and well? Is that unwell women? Oh, okay, fabulous. Um, okay, Georgia, question. Okay, this is Becca's client. Ideas for cheap but healthy meals and and snack options. With the price of food these days, it seems much harder to eat healthy on a budget. I would fight back about that one because I shop at Aldi, so I know you've yet to experience this. But you can do a full shop of like snacks and food for like. 30 quid, 35 quid, I'm mad for a whole week. Yeah, I can, I'm the same, Lidl or Aldi, and usually it's like 35 pounds for a week. Sometimes I'll top it up with like, mm-hmm. obviously on top of that, there might be some additional fresh fruit maybe later in the week or protein powder, things like that that I've already got in the house. But yeah, I, I'm usually the same when I'm at home, not in Austin, but at home I am. Um, I mean, we've covered this before. We've all got our kind of favourites, don't we? I love vegetables and fruit as much as I can from Aldi and Lidl like hopefully if you're in the UK at least you'll have access to these things um I like the microwave pouch like listen I like the microwave pouches of things like chickpeas and lentils and stuff but if you buy a bag of lentils it's like 60p and that will do you you'll probably have that bag of lentils for like six months and it's really really cheap if you buy like the bags of dry pulses um, or even like the tinned ones you can get two or three meals out of a tin of lentils and it's like 30p so I think I think the expense often comes from the meat side of things and I don't I don't personally eat meat so I don't have great hacks in terms of buying cheap meat um, but again I hear that Aldi's meat is really good from friends and, and things so but tinned tuna um store versions of meat-free products can be relatively cheap i usually if tofu is on offer i'll usually buy 
a couple of tofus at once because they they last a couple of months um trying to buy stuff when they're on offer is a good way of doing it um something i do is like uh when i go to the supermarket if you go to like the reduced section if you are buying meat you can you can pick stuff up for like less than a pound sometimes and if you've got space in your freezer and you can portion it up you can portion you know beef or chicken or whatever it is that you've got and freeze it up so that you've got all of this ready to go and you're not going to be spending you know a full price sort of pack of beef might be three to five pounds but if you can get it for a quid great stuff but it depends I think what you need to weigh up when it comes to cost is like the effort you're willing to put in versus the convenience that you feel you need and what's realistic because like I (laughs) Amelia I have bags of lentils that have sat in my cupboard for like five years because I'm like oh yeah yeah, that's so cheap but actually (laughs) for value for money I've never used it whereas like the pouches and stuff they are more expensive um but I used one today for my lunch like literally to top up my dinner because I was really hungry so I just stuck it in the microwave and it was the Cajun lentils and kidney beans and it was beautiful and it probably cost like two pounds but for me that that kind of weighs up like the cost and benefits I think it's just kind of weighing up for you what is how much effort you're going to put into it I was just going to say in terms of like actual meal ideas I well I have nothing against them but I just don't do it but you know like the hello fresh and is it gusto gusto I never know which one it is um yeah, but they you can get all the recipes online and then I just swap out like if it's a meat one I'll just swap out for beans lentils anything like that and it works out quite cheap and they're full of veggies and they're really delicious so I'm, a, I'm not very adventurous when I cook but that might be an option and you can weigh up as well you can make any swaps that you want if you need to kind of bring the cost down of things and places like home bargain um what's the other one b&m they they sell food as well and they do things like um their own kind of version of naked bars and they're quite cheap and they're really delicious and it's the same same ingredients as well so um yeah it's worth kind of doing a bit of a shop here and there and picking up in bulk if it's something that you want to top up on I think yeah they're also doing cheaper protein bars those types of shops mm-hmm. in your 30s is getting excited about having time to go to two different I was gonna say grocery stores to buy the cheap versions of the different things that you need like that is such a thrill I look forward to doing that when I come home <laughs> <laughs> joy Anna, yeah. we need to take you to Aldi and Lidl one day. Just like we'll go when it's really quiet and it's not busy. In the like, I'm already like, we'll just treat you to it. No. <laughs> not that, not, I'm not there yet, Georgia. Let me. No, not not quite yet. Not quite yet. One day. <laughs> okay, my client, PMS and regulating hunger, energy, body image, and all those fun things. My cycle has been all over the place, so by the time I realise it's PMS, it often catches me by surprise. Do you have any tips? I mean, I think obviously it is a little bit more difficult if your cycles are a little bit irregular at the moment, but I would still kind of treat it as I would any other day. Like if I was having a hungry day, honour it. If I'm having a difficult body image day, okay, well, what do I need to do to support me rather than kind of thinking, oh crap, I'm caught out it's now PMS week like just take each day as it comes rather than trying to almost pre-plan it I mean like Georgia was saying great if you can but equally let's be honest 
it, we always get caught out with, with cycles anyway, occasionally. So I think in that sense, it is just taking it each day as it comes and knowing that you have the tools to support you um, if it is a hungry day or whatever else is going on for you. I think we always kind of want to to kind of rationalise things and be objective. And it is important to be objective, but I think sometimes sometimes there's no reason that you're hungrier. But sometimes like it might be sleep it might be hormones it might be that you've been for more walking etc etc there's lots of things that it could be but it's something you don't always have to know the reason to be able to sit with and honor that and I think that's kind of the next step so this person's done some incredible work on a relationship with food and it's like she's kind of in a really good place with it so it's like the next step is saying okay well I don't I don't need a reason maybe maybe my body image is because of my hormones but maybe it's not I was speaking to my best friend Joe the other day and we were laughing because she was like I really I just want to kill someone and she said she's usually like this because of hormones but I don't think I'm doing my period but I'm not really sure but like I definitely like I'm so angry and then the next day she's like got my period one day I'll remember and I'm like, it's like I can tell by the voice note that she sends me that she's going to start a period literally the next day and it's everything <laughs> and yeah at 37 she's like one day I'll just accept okay this is my period and move on but every single time regardless we're always like before a cycle like well it could be this and it could be that but we never I think we never fully lean into that total acceptance of it of like okay it probably is hormones it's fine like it we were we're always kind of like well but maybe it's not maybe it, maybe it's not my body image and hormones maybe it's actually because I've gained weight or lost weight or a bloated or whatever it is so yeah I think like learn your cycle obviously it's important but don't expect anything and just kind of try not to look too much into like needing to understand or needing to rationalize everything obviously I've done a few solo podcasts on nutrition around the menstrual cycle um and things like that if you want to like your the podcast the main podcast page on like Spotify or something if you search for periods or menstrual cycle or something all the t- times we've ever had conversations about the more specifics of these things and um, you'll be able to find all of those things and I think a lot of it is just acceptance as well right like it is what it is like you said does it really matter if it's your period or not like it, it 99% is that or your womb is wandering around your body and that's causing you hysteria um but like yeah does it really matter if you you're sad cry get an early night if you're hungry have a bit more food I know factually that I can't control or predict the future and worrying about it changes nothing but I can't stop worrying about the future any advice I can come back to the present moment for now but I don't stay there for long but the future is still there to worry about I mean none of us can relate right (laughs) I was like did I put this question in (laughs) On, I, one, oh, sorry go oh, on yeah I was just going to say one quick thing is one of my favorite quotes of all time is worrying is like praying for something you don't want and I remember reading that when I was like 24 and I thought and because I'm quite spiritual and I wasn't really that spiritual then but you know I, I thought well what if I think something into existence by worrying about it and I freaked myself it. out yeah I freaked myself out to the point where I was like don't even think about that because that might actually happen if you think about it too much and it, it it's so irrational but it stuck with me at 12 years down the line I'm like worrying is like brave for something you don't want still all, sorry, all my meditation work and Buddhist 
like literature and all these things. I'm like, this one quote I saw on Instagram one time freaked me out and that's what I go with. I've got issues, obviously. Um, anyway, continue, Anna. No, I was going to say, I, um, how, how do I put it? Like, you know, uh, like scrolling, but for content. I was doing that the other day and actually fell on uh, Eckhart. Like there was an audio from Eckhart and it, I'm going to like completely get this wrong. I know, but he was saying how like when you're stressed and worrying, you've chosen that the future is more important than where you are now. Like something along those lines. And I thought, ah, that's interesting. Probably should stop worrying and just enjoy where I'm at. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Shocking, really, isn't it? Well, but like, yeah, I like that. I like the way that part did. I think it depends as well, like on on the reason for that as well, because I can relate to this on like a a deep level that I have had like a fear of the future as a child, but it's not a fear of the future, it's a fear of not knowing what was going to happen and I remember I used to ask my mom questions all the time like about everything like well how tall I be what will I look like what's my job going to be like where will I live will I still know you will we still be friends like will I still know my sister like how many cats will I have (laughs) what will my favorite color be when I'm like 20 what about when I'm 30 and my mom was just exhausted she was like I don't know like the answer does it matter and I was like yeah because I needed to know like I had to know the future all the time and where am I going with this Anyway, it took me a lot of therapy to get over that. And now I'm all right with being in the future, uh, being, being, being in the present. And I'm like, oh, it's nothing like all the worries that I had. But I think sometimes it, it it comes with building a bit of like resilience that it's okay to not know what's going to happen. And it's okay to not like be able to predict everything. And as you said, if you can come back to the present and enjoy where you are, then whatever happens next is okay because that will be the present and then that will be the present rather than always worrying like 10 steps ahead but that doesn't stop me still planning ahead a little bit yeah. I think you've cut you've hit, hit on a key point of like a lot of it's managing your ability to sit with uncertainty and your acceptance that everything is uncertain and everything is going to change and the sooner you the sooner you can get to this place where you go okay well I accept I've got no control over anything outside of myself and all I can do is control myself and I don't mean that in a healthy way, but I mean, control my choices, choose, make my choices. Um, and even then you could wake up tomorrow and things could change again. Like, but accepting that is really helpful to help you live in the present because uh, I watched this TikTok yesterday and um, it was actually quite sad, but it was a, a man who had, was talking about how he had just had his second baby and the second baby was really, really difficult. And he it was causing strain with him and his wife and he went to work and they hadn't made up from the night before and he was speaking to a guy at his work and he said oh you know it's fine like I'll go home and we'll like we'll resolve it when I get back and the man at work said like who told you that and he's like who told me what he said who told you that you'll go home after work and then he was like like you're, you're it's never guaranteed and the point of that was really like you can't you just don't know what's going to, you can't predict anything. Like you have no idea what's going to happen in the next hour, let alone the next day, the next week. And you try, you worrying is your body, is your way of trying to seek some semblance of control. But the longer you try and seek something that is impossible to get, the, you're just causing more and more suffering for yourself. 
this Buddhist principle that I've spoken about quite a lot of like you know pain is inevitable suffering as a choice is something that I definitely am aware of at the moment of trying to find this balance between like okay where's denial and where's choosing suffering over something like there's a fine line right but with worrying it's a similar sort of thing of like guess what things are going to go wrong guess what things are going to be really really hard it's up to you whether you suffer in that and worry about that or you don't and you accept that when it comes and I'm not saying by any means that that's easy and I I mean I definitely know it's not easy but this is the this is the only chance you get to live today and like that quote you were saying Anna is kind of like well it's a choice to throw away today to worry about something that you don't even know is going to happen like that's that's a really I totally get it but it's not the half like the healthiest probably place for you to be in day to day and it's not somewhere you want to really be in day to day right um if you haven't read four thousand weeks I know I talk about the book all the time but he does talk a lot about acceptance of all of these things of like you're never going to get to do everything you want to do in the world you're like you're going to be heartbroken like you're never going to finish your to-do list all of these things and the stress comes from worrying about it not from the reality of it because guess what you've made it through 100% of your worst days and you'll continue to make it through until one day you don't and hopefully that day is when you're 150 but you just don't know so it's like accept that you'll be fine again there's this quote from the state next but it's like someone said that's the state next but Matthew Hussey right they said how can I trust my partner never to cheat again and they said well you you can but you can trust that you're, you can trust that you'll be okay if they do and it's the same with any other part of life you can't trust that, that everything's going to be okay but you can trust that you'll make it through regardless and that's and so then once you accept that doesn't mean it's going to be enjoyable but you can still sit with it I think a little bit easier and try, not worry so much I wonder if that comes with experience as well you know like when you've gone through enough you get enough experience and trust that I can go through those things and always survive it because we always think oh this will like the end of this relationship will be the end of me and it's like well actually I've had lots of other relationships beforehand and every time it was painful but every time I've been completely fine afterwards and I don't know like I wonder if you almost need to build up that evidence and experience to kind of prove to yourself like that you can get through all of those things yeah you're you're so right so just get older that helps mm-hmm. just keep going trauma. <laughs> uh, okay Georgia uh this is Becca's client how is the best way to address a work colleague who is negative about their body the point where it's a cause for concern my work aren't so understanding about all of this but any advice to a gentle conversation with them would be super appreciated. I'm having conflicting thoughts about this, to be totally honest. Same. Interesting. So my conflict is one, is it really anything for you to comment on? I don't know how close you are with your work colleague. You might be really, really close friends and and in which case you're, you, and I know that you're doing this from a place of support, for sure. I think sometimes when you're going through your own stuff, you can A, see it more in other people, but B, sometimes project it onto other people too. And I know that in the past, like when I had my own struggles with my relationship with food, I would sometimes look at other people and think, mm, they must have issues with food because they're doing X, Y, and Z. 
and maybe they did and maybe they didn't it wasn't really my place to say or to think right but at that time when I was so obsessed with all of that stuff it showed up in how I looked at other people or thought about other people wrongly so um and so just be mindful of like you see you see things through your lens one of having done all this incredible work with Becca and being really aware of these things which is incredible but two also having your own struggles potentially and maybe seeing things more or less than like what is actually there so it's one thing to be just a little bit mindful of but then I don't know if it's really your place to say only you will know that and if it is your place to say then then great and you've got that close connection had I thought that about anybody that I worked with in the past like in an office or anything in fact even as us as a team if I thought that let's say Georgia if I if I felt like you were struggling with something and it I, I don't know like some some action that you performed made me think that I still don't think I would approach it with you other than I would say, I'm just checking in that everything's okay. I'm here if you need anything. And that would still be the extent of it because you don't know what someone else is going through. Like this person may be going through their own journey with this and you kind of putting your foot in might not necessarily be helpful, but making someone aware that like you can hold space for this and maybe talking about your own stuff. So again, in our situation, if it was you, Georgia, I would know that, we have these conversations so you would know that we could have these conversations right but maybe in an office environment maybe you want to share about your own stuff and be like oh, I'm doing this really cool work with um Becca we've been talking about x y and z and sharing a little bit that you feel comfortable with of your own story and being a little bit vulnerable says I'm willing to talk about this stuff this is what I'm doing if that rings true to you then you can talk to me but you're not saying that you're just kind of opening up the conversation so I would maybe take it in that direction yeah, I, I have nothing more to add. <laughs> I was just going to say that I think you don't always know, like you said, if, if you're very close to this person, then maybe you do know where their head is, but you don't always know where somebody's mindset is. And if I think about myself, like when, um, you know, like when I was really struggling with like issues with my body and with eating, anyone who said anything to me about it would have been shut down, shut down. And they would have been wrong, even though I knew they were right. I was, wasn't interested in kind of talking about it. It needed to come from me. It needed me to be ready to say, okay, I need to talk to somebody about this. And I want to, I want to get help and support here, which is why it's, it's really tough when you're watching someone that you care about, knowing that they actually could really do with some support. Um, but maybe also kind of recognizing that they're not in the place where they're ready for that yet. So I think sometimes it's kind of gauging, um, not just where you are and how ready you are for everything, which is amazing, but also how kind of prepared they might be to to receive any kind of um, openness to conversation just yet. Agree. Okay. Possible topic, this is Lynn's time. Possible topic for discussion. How can we let go of excess weight when it feels safe and comfortable to keep hold of it? Mm. This is a good question. And this actually has come up with a couple of my clients recently. Um, and it, we had to kind of really, really explore like what was what was happening for them in terms of like what was safe and comforting about 
keeping keeping their body as it as it was even though they also wanted to change it for health reasons you know like fat loss was really important for their their health conditions um for their body and in these examples that come to mind for me at the moment it actually came down to the fact that there was a sense of um unworthiness of love and to lose that weight would open them back up again to putting themselves out there to making new friends to dating and the more we discussed this the more that it came to light that actually in the past there have been some really uncomfortable um breakups following some really unpleasant relationships and they just had used um their weight as a bit of a defense mechanism to not be dating because it's easier to say well I can't date like this and no one will find me attractive um and actually to use that as a bit of a barrier to kind of prevent the heartache and the heartbreak that can potentially come with relationships not working out or being in a relationship that doesn't make you feel good so I'm not really answering your question here other than to say the weight loss is kind of the outcome but it you need to look at what is safe and comfortable about holding on to the weight at the moment because it's obviously serving a purpose for you so it's kind of getting to explore that a little bit was that a yawn or a sneeze (laughs) It was a yawn and I'm hiccuping at the same time. And it wasn't because you're a great answer to your question. I just didn't sleep very well. I'm sorry to bore you. <laughs> it's a great question. I was actually thinking earlier how funny you were today. So you're definitely not boring me. This <laughs> is <laughs> a me problem, as usual. I think you've touched on a good point. Like one of the best behavior change questions that people forget, people always say, where do you want to be in six months? Where do you want to be in a year? Like, what are your goals? What does it feel like to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, but let's flip this on its head. What's the benefit of staying where you are? Ask yourself, what's the benefit of staying where I am? But then to support yourself and change, it's like, okay, well, what is the risk of staying where I am? Because you need to recognize both sides of things and and then thinking about your future self of like, how will it, how will it feel if I'm in a different situation? Um, and in this, this situation, you know, if I've lost body fat, what will that look like? What will that feel like, et cetera. And there's so many reasons that, feeling you might feel safe in a, in a larger body I remember reading something years ago about you know sometimes young girls um feel when they become kind of sexualized you know when we hit puberty and we start getting white van men and you know god forbid anything worse um some people will gain body fat to try and keep themselves safe from these unwanted um, advances and pretend, and again, you know, this could escalate. Um, and so it feels safe to be in a larger body because it's like physical protection in some way and vice versa. Sometimes, sometimes girls will try and keep themselves small to avoid becoming hypersexualized because of the fear of that. Um, so there's that aspect. And then things like... Uh, if it's become your identity if you feel that you have adopted this personality that is associated with your body in some way or you feel that maybe you met your partner when you were in the body that you're in or you made your connections with friends when you're in this body your job whatever it is do you associate who you are as a person with your body and 
it feels safe to you because if you change your body then maybe you're going to change yourself and you don't want to change yourself you're not because you are your soul you are not your body you are not all of these other external things you are the person inside you are the the energy they are you are the light but um if you're not on a kind of that kind of spiritual or self-awareness path which you are because you're working with Lynn then you maybe haven't considered yourself aside from all of these things so checking in with that I think is quite helpful okay go Anna back to me it's not very on it today am I um (laughs) do you think that counting your days of being binge free is helpful and or labeling your eating behavior about binge or an overeating session or does it perpetuate shame what was the second part about labeling uh labeling your eating behavior about binge or an overeating session or does it perpetuate shame I think you can label a behavior without labeling yourself as well I think that's good to recognize and actually just kind of like on that when we're talking about you know I was being good or I was being bad no like I behaved in this way and that felt good to me or I behaved in that way and it felt bad to me you you're always kind of labeling the behavior you know like when you hear people say to kids like oh you're such a good girl for like doing this where actually you can you don't you're then kind of implying that they're a bad girl if they don't do that you can actually kind of say okay that was a really kind thing to do thank you and then you're labeling the behavior you're commenting on the behavior not on the person so I I don't know that it's unhelpful to label behavior as long as you're not saying like you know I'm I'm binging or I'm binge free you could say you know I recognize that I haven't experienced binge eating for a while or that overeating isn't a behavior that I've noticed in myself for a while like I think that can be quite a helpful reframe because also if that's something that you are working on then it's great to celebrate when you notice that actually it has been a month or two months since that's actually happened for me that's great like that's progress you you want to be able to celebrate that yeah and you're not identifying with it like you said like that's the epitome of it if like not identifying with that your behaviors or your feelings I'm not anxious I feel anxious all of that sort of stuff it's coming back to the question of like you are you you're not your feelings or your behaviors sorry Anna. no do you remember a few years ago how that that was a thing like lots of people were counting the binge free days and for me it always it didn't sit right because I always felt like obviously we often talk about how we expect these days to happen because they give us an opportunity to learn and I think if you are counting the days in which you've been binge free and then you do have a binge episode or an overeating episode it kind of falls back into that all or nothing I failed the guilt the shame type feelings and I mean I Obviously, I only know from working with the media, but I'm assuming we all work fairly similar in that we will never kind of in client updates, we will never, we might explore triggers if there have been overeating episodes, but I would never highlight how often that's happened. And equally, I will never highlight over the week all the progress in which you've made in that this has been a a week free without it. 
it's more so coming often from the clients in that do you know what it's been a month and I hadn't even realized that I haven't done it because my life is so much fuller now away from food um so yeah I, I personally for me I don't think it's a helpful thing to do yeah I think it also like you're sort of saying it adds to the, the preoccupation with it because it becomes something that you then want to perfect at the end of the day oh another day binge free tick that off perfected it and to be super transparent here when I struggled with binge eating disorder when I wasn't getting any support you know whenever it was 10 years ago 12 years ago or something I used to count count and I remember I remember like some days saying like okay this week I just need to get three days instead of two days I'm gonna get three days no three days instead of yeah three days instead of two days and I remember and I would count and I remember if I got it it would be like a big high but then it would crash down again or if I didn't get it I'd be like I can't believe you couldn't even get three days instead of two days and it was that it, and I was constantly preoccupied by it and every time I slipped up it was a fail it was a relapse it was okay you're starting again tomorrow which is so the opposite of any sort of helpful way to get through binging recovery of okay this has happened what can we learn from it how can we move on this is not a big deal it's like we expect it sometimes as you're recovering and then you move on and I think some of it is it comes from the kind of 12 steps AA type of you get a, a chip don't you for how many days you haven't been drinking um or at least that you do in the states because like that's what I've, that's where I've had these conversations and um but it's not the same and food addiction I did a podcast on food addiction last week but food addiction technically doesn't exist and you can't completely avoid food like you can alcohol if you're an alcoholic if so you don't want to compare to that in the sense of you can celebrate never having alcohol if you struggle with alcoholism and that's amazing but it's that's not the same as food and binge eating you you, you don't have unconditional permission to drink alcohol if you're an alcoholic you're, you're probably not doing these things like there's a lot of crossover in some of these strategies that we might use. And, and I know that with a recovery, for example, these do still talk about the difference between a lapse and a relapse and how we want to focus on lapses instead of relapses and how that's helpful psychologically. Um, and we talk about the same in binge eating recovery. It's not a relapse. It's just a slip and we can move through it. Slip, not slide. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't encourage counting. I understand the drive for it, but often that is, just a kind of another way to either celebrate yourself for doing everything really right or really criticize yourself for doing everything really wrong when there is no really right or really wrong it's just about moving through it um but I definitely understand the pull especially if you're really struggling with it because after a couple of days if you've succeeded it's really like like I'm doing everything right um and to take that away can feel a bit shit Georgia mm. Uh, Denai's client, how to forgive yourself and move on from guilt when you did something stupid? Like, you know, it was stupid and it wasn't an accident or a mistake. I suck at boundaries and that's where my stupidity comes in. Stop calling yourself stupid. <laughs> like, do you know what? I think guilt, okay, I'm not talking about food guilt. Um, sometimes guilt can be a helpful emotion because we learn from it. We go, why do I feel guilty? Okay, in this case, I didn't set boundaries. 
okay, well, how can I learn from this so that next time I can set boundaries better and not go fall into that? And then you've learned from it. Okay, great. That guilt was helpful to direct me a little bit in terms of my thoughts and my behaviors. Um, you're a human being. Like, we all do stupid things sometimes. Let's be honest, all of us more than others. <laughs> Can't relate, no. <laughs> but I think that, like, also, obviously, working with deny, this is something that you'll work on with the self compassion, but it's not a stupid thing to struggle with boundaries. I mean, again, all of us can relate. And that's probably been your go to for however long. So it is going to take some time to, well, ultimately learn how to do it. I was going to say relearn, but but learn how to set some boundaries, learn how to put yourself first instead of everyone else all the time. Um, and similar to kind of what we were saying about binging, there will be times where you trip up and you do let boundaries slip and that's okay. You learn from it and you move forward. And I think also just remember like, you know, in this question, you said it was, it wasn't an accident or a mistake, we all do things sometimes. And then afterwards we're like that emoji where you're like slapping your head and you're like, Oh, why did I do that? Like, why am I like this? And those are those moments where we're like, okay, I'm clearly not happy with the outcome. So in this situation, next time, what will I do differently? Um, and that might be setting a boundary. It might just be making a different decision or it might be avoiding that situation in the future if it was a situation that you didn't want to be in. Um, but that comes back to your self-compassion, doesn't that common humanity where like, you're not stupid. We all do stupid things sometimes. We're just like, wow, well done me. Okay. <laughs> and then we move on from it. Well, then we make a meme, then we move on from it. We make a meme. Watch the space. But like, you're not, I think often, especially when we struggle with our relationship with food, we are, we, that often coincides with people who have high standards for themselves and, and maybe high self-judgment and potentially judgment of others as well. So I think it's about also just like accepting that you are human and you're going to make mistakes and again get used to it that I spoke to somebody recently one of the coaches that I mentor about you know what happens if someone says something and you don't really answer and one of the most freeing things you can ever do in your life is say get comfortable with not knowing and I'm so comfortable now if someone asks me a question if I don't really answer I'm like great question I don't know I'll go and look up one of my clients asked me something the other day about um hormones I said I think this is right but I just want to go and double check and then I'll get back to you there she doesn't think less of me because I didn't know 100% because I'm a human being and, and I can't possibly know literally everything, although obviously I know so much. Um, but it's the same in every part of your life. It's like, you can't know everything. You are going to balls up. You are going to say stupid things. Sometimes I say things and then I'm like, immediately I'm like, oh, I don't know why I said that. I'm really sorry. That was a dickish thing to say. And I've been speaking to someone recently and he was like, I've never... I've never heard anyone be so irritable with PMS, but so aware and apologetic that they're so irritable with <laughs> Like, thanks so much. He's like, great communication. I'm like, thanks so much. And I'm like, because look, I am often vile. It's not a good enough reason. PMS is not a, a, an excuse for being horrible when I've got PMS, when I'm like, when I'm being irritable, when I've got PMS. But when I am horrible, then I can be like, like, I'm really sorry. That was really out of order. It is, I've got PMS and sometimes this happens and I apologize. It's not okay great then you move on like it's not that big a deal to just be a human being it's quite nice when you accept that actually 
Not that being a dick is ever okay, obviously. Um, oh, it's me. Okay. Um, can I ask a question? How does CrossFit compare to heavy lifting? Mm. One is fun and one is <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that sums it up next. It is. <laughs> it's probably yeah. like, in what way? In what way? Do you love CrossFit? Do you hate heavy lifting? Then. Yeah. Do you hate yourself and you want to go through something just horrific and be sick at the end of it? Do CrossFit? Do you like your body and want to make it stronger and leave in a happy mood? And This is George's opinion on CrossFit. This is not what we all collectively think. If you love CrossFit, you do CrossFit. CrossFit is great for me. You know what? Yeah, I it's had, okay for you guys uh... to be wrong. If you like CrossFit, like it's okay to just be wrong because you're only human at the end of the day. I had a, a discovery poll with someone and she's going <laughs> to, she's going to uh, start training with me because she was like, oh, I did think about CrossFit and again, nothing against CrossFit, each to their own. I know it's not for me because no, um, but she said the, the taster session was a mile run and then a hundred something. I was like, oh, that was a taster. I'd have run like the only time I would run would be out the door <laughs> like no gosh do you know what like I've tried CrossFit I didn't love it either um but again like we that's because we don't we personally all don't like it there do you the, know what I will say though the community that's what I was going to say exactly what I was going to say the great thing about CrossFit is it's a great community and if you especially if you struggle with having motivation to train or you like you hate weight training etc then CrossFit may be a great opportunity for you to get in there and do that and especially if you haven't weight trained before or you haven't trained with great intensity CrossFit will contribute to hypertrophy to some degree it will improve your fitness levels for sure um if it was someone was asking me what's the best way to grow muscle then my answer would be resistance training and protein intake and calorie intake not CrossFit but that doesn't mean that you can't get muscle adaptation from something like CrossFit, but we're talking optimal. If someone said to me, what's the optimal way to build a community whilst exercising? I'd say maybe CrossFit, to be fair, um, or a class or something like that. Um, so it's really like in terms of comparison, what are you talking about? Just again, and again, just because we don't personally love it. Um, or like it at all it doesn't mean it's bad there's also there's obviously of course the risk of injury and I know a lot of CrossFit athletes that when they're in their 30s they're like yeah I'm gonna like retire from CrossFit quite soon and in fact my friend in, in Austin he sort of said that and like he was like I, I just couldn't deal with the injuries anymore so it's gone back to regular weight training so I'm shocked <laughs> if you love it like great and good for you like zero judgment but it, 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 it's optimal for f some parts but resistance training is always optimal in terms of muscle mass at least I like the principles behind CrossFit the idea that there's a combination of lifting heavy of endurance work of fitness work as well I think and I've got quite a few clients that do CrossFit and I don't ever bitch at them about it because you know support um but I think what I don't like about it is like it's very joint unfriendly and the way that it's delivered 
I think in some places maybe excellent but I'm going to go with like the majority of experiences that that I've had and that I've had like through um friends and through other clients is that a lot of it is like classic bro hashtag beast mode like make them sick kind of stuff um and I had a friend who worked in the gym and she'd only just kind of done her level two and she was getting into it and she went to a CrossFit class and um she was at this point like she'd been exercising for a couple of months she was like 45 had three kids dodgy hip dodgy back and they had her doing 100 kettlebell swings 100 box jumps 100 press-ups and I was like this is not like this is just ruining her for the sake of ruining her so that she hurts and thinks it's amazing and goes back the next day and I think there's a difference between a well-planned and well-programmed scaled like workout which you tend to get with like resistance training versus ruining people for the sake of like beastum kind of mode and I think that's where my issue comes in with with CrossFit but it's not you know like hashtag not all CrossFitters and hashtag not all CrossFit um just that's no, I agree same. I agree and the older you get the more you are much more mindful of things like your joint health I've had a sore neck for two days don't know where it came from I don't know if it was strenuous yoga on Tuesday night which was extremely strenuous by the way or if it was just my pillow but I've woken up and I said <laughs> to the right and I'm like this like you know what this is 36 and that's okay but I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt my body anymore than not like oh my god <laughs> I'm so glad it's not just me but right, I am 38 in a week and excuse me 38 in a week and <laughs> I was like, sometimes when I go to sleep, if the pillow isn't quite right, I wake up and I'm in pain. <laughs> and I thought maybe it's just me, but I'm quite glad it's you as well. No, it's definitely not. And it's quite universal. And it doesn't matter how much yoga and resistance training and posture work you do, breath work, manage your anxiety, do all the things that can potentially help around your neck and your shoulder regions. I have also started a new training program, which I'm like, maybe it's that. Maybe it's got me doing too much pool work and I had to take my pool work out back. That must be what it is. Cause you know, yeah. that's good. Maybe you actually doing it, are you? wandered up to your throat and that's what it, your uterus is too high. In your body <laughs> right. And you just what? need to go and have sex. Oh yeah. Well, possibly. Um, <laughs> not the strenuous yoga. It, definitely not. And definitely not all the pull ups. Yeah. He's making me do pull ups. He's like, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but every client of mine does pull-ups I'm like I don't do pull work and he was like I'll take some of it out but everyone has to do pull-up I'm like I'll do them for a month but if I go up a brass eyes overnight then we're taking them out again let's see what happens so right now yeah I'm actually having to do them it's quite it's quite distressing I'm not gonna lie anyway okay oh, questions everyone thank you so much keep them coming in thank you both so much bye bye Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.